When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, everybody. It's uh, Super Bowl week, believe it or not. Time is flying by, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. Uh, you know, but we're still here. Uh, I'm Chase Yance, uh, alongside me, uh, Justin Lacey. We're wearing polos, uh, not matching colors, but hey, we we on the same type of vibe right now. Justin, what's going on with you? Man, it, it, as much as I'm really sad about football season coming to an end, you know what? As a Bengals fan, I'm actually can't I can't wait till the season's over. <laughs> you know, because it's <laughs> like I just want this offseason to just to come on. Let's let's just get this thing over with and all that. But we'll have plenty of time to talk all season talk. Yeah. But nonetheless, I'm still excited for Super Bowl 58, man. These two teams have definitely earned it. And we can, I can't wait to deep, do a little deep dive in with you. 100 percent. And I, I mean, you're looking at it like you mentioned, you're talking about how the end of football season, it is it is sad. You're you're like, man, it, you know, the season just keeps going quicker and quicker each time. And, you know, where, where did all the time go and everything? But, you know, it, it is, it is crazy where it's like, you know, we, we, we love, we love watching football and then the time goes by this quick. And then we're like, man, we're in the same spot where we got another seven months until football's back. And we just yeah. keep talking, you know, I, I keep seeing the TikToks about, uh, you know, like, like, uh, you know, there's women talking about, uh, men, what do you guys do when football's over? And then they got to do the whole breakdown about, oh, there's March Madness, then there's the Masters, and there's the NBA playoffs, and then there's the finals, and then there's the Kentucky Derby somewhere thrown in there. Just like random stuff. And it's just, it's, you know, it is very funny, but it is also very true. And then the draft is thrown in there, free agency, just all sprinkled around. There's a lot of stuff that goes on, but it's just funny that the actual play of football you know, only last about four or five months, and the other seven is just us speculating, us talking about it, and, and, and us imagining things that could happen, you know, in the next season. But nonetheless, I mean, the, the NFL, you know, this is, I believe, the 105th season of the NFL. Um, you know, it it's definitely been uh, a heck of a one, to say the least. And, uh, you know, what a way to close it out in Vegas with two of the best teams in the National Football League, the two best teams in the National Football League, as people would say it, because, you know, these two teams got here. So, you know, before we get more deep dive in this video, obviously like this video and, and subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're going to be listening to us, you know, give us the five star rating, all that good stuff. We appreciate all the support. That's coming through to the Cuts and Chase Sports Podcast and also go check out Running Through the Jungle. They're doing great things over there. Um, you know, as we're part of the fans for sports network, um, with all that being said, and a lot of, so you can find podcasts, wherever podcasts are 
I'm not even going to go into that infinite route that that's right there. But, you know, without further ado, I mean, you're, you're looking at this Chiefs Niners game. Um, you have the best, I would say, the best roster in football versus the best quarterback and arguably the best coach in football. So you're looking at, you know, overall strength versus very important strengths against each other. If you have the best quarterback in the league, you're going to have a chance at winning a Super Bowl almost every single year if that guy's on the field. And Patrick Mahomes, barring any any crazy injury, he's been on the field all of the time. And he's gone to six straight AFC championship games. And the Chiefs have had uh, one interesting year, to say the least. They're the home team, so we'll talk about uh, you know them second. But looking at the flip side of the, the San Francisco 49ers, Remember last year, Brock Purdy had a crazy run that got to the NFC Championship game, and he gets hurt, and the Eagles end up beating them pretty bad. You come into the offseason, and you're thinking, what direction are the Niners going to go? You got Trey Lance, who ended up having a season-ending injury back week two of 2022, and he's still on the roster, the third overall pick, who they gave the reins to while Jimmy Garoppolo was still on the roster. That's a throwback right there. So then he gets hurt. Jimmy G comes in, gets hurt. Brock Purdy comes in and he, he balls out. Jimmy G goes to the Raiders. You have Trey Lance ends up getting traded, which was a shock. But then, you know, you go out and sign all these quarterbacks. Sam Darnold gets signed. Uh, Bengals, you know, Bengals quarterback Brandon Allen goes over there as well. Uh, there's just a lot of lot of movement that's been going on in this quarterback room. And, and the reports coming out of Kyle Shannon talking about trying to find a way to get Tom Brady. Over the, it feels like in the last few years, it's been like, uh, is Tom Brady going to the Niners? Is Tom Brady going to the Niners? Well, he didn't go to the Niners, but the, the talk has been, the talk was growing over that course of time. But they stuck with Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy and the Niners started off 5 0, scorching teams. They went on the road to beat the Steelers by 23 points. They beat the Rams by seven, beat the Giants by 18, beat the Cardinals by 19, and beat the Cowboys by 32. They came out of the gate blazing. Lose three in a row, a heartbreaker to the Browns in Cleveland, another one, a heartbreaker to the Vikings on Monday Night Football, and then the Bengals came in, and they walked in the trap and took over the trap that day. But the Niners go to the bye week, and they come out rejuvenated, something that they really needed. Uh, the Niners beat the Jags by 31, then they beat the Bucks pretty handily, go into Seattle and win on Thanksgiving by 18, and then they kill the Eagles. And that's when the Eagles season took a toll because they played the Niners and the Niners, uh, you know, they, they, they beat the shit out of them is what I'll say. Then the Seahawks, they beat the Seahawks. They beat the Cardinals. Then they have that bump in the road on Christmas night, losing to the Ravens, where it was like, this might be our Super Bowl matchup, but the Ravens are clear in a way, clear cut away the best team in the National Football League. They're not in this game. Then they go on ahead and they beat the Commanders. They lose a week 18 game to the Rams. And then these two postseason games, they get by a thread, winning by three to both NFC North teams that were in the playoffs, the Packers and the Lions. And here they are, the Niners road. If you had to summarize this, Justin, what what would you say in a couple of words about how the Niners season has gone? Niners were scheduled to be the best team in the, in the whole entire league from start to finish. Mm-hmm. That's how they looked. That's how they played. And it was just a little bit of similar of doubt when they got their asses kicked by Baltimore on Monday night in their home. I believe that was week 15. And since then, it just felt like that they were slowly trying to get themselves up, lick their wounds, and then just keep fighting a good fight. 
but it just didn't really quite look the same. But however, that team, that roster is still stacked up and down. Now, you did mention about how the role for Brock Purdy started a little bit last year when he took over for Jimmy G and um, Trey Lance. <clears throat> you can make the argument that this Super Bowl matchup should have been last year's Super Bowl matchup in a weird way. I mean, we can we'll talk about the Chiefs and go into that whole segment bit in a little bit, though. But if Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt in the NFC Championship game, I mean, the, who who to say that they won't beat the Eagles? I feel like that they were the better and the more stronger team. The Eagles may have the had the better record at the beginning of that time, mm-hmm. but nothing really told me solidifiably that the Eagles were head and shoulders better than the Niners. And it was just like, well, they had Christian McCaffrey throwing the football because they had nobody as a backup quarterback to that point to throw the football. It was just almost like, okay, you just won a game without you. It was like a game against children versus grown men, and it was like, <laughs> come on, now. like that. That really kind of wasn't a fair fight. It's like your family 49ers. turkey you just, bowl. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you couldn't even win that game without a like you literally could not win that game without a quarterback on the field. You know, mm-hmm. as much as I love CMC, he's he's not a quarterback. Okay, so, but this year, the 49ers, they just proved it. That I mean, albeit it did take a little bit of luck because the Cowboys and the Eagles and you know those teams pretty much just melted down the stretch, and then especially the Cowboys going one and done. I would have thought that the Cowboys would have gave the uh, the the 49ers a, a pretty nice fight if they would have made it to the NFC Championship game. But the Cowboys haven't beaten the 49ers, and I can't even tell you how long now at this point. So with that being said, who's to say the Cowboys is a better team than the Niners? The Niners are always the best team in the, in the NFC side. They were that this entire season long, and they played just like it. Now, I do want to dial a little bit back a bit when you said that they had went on that three-game losing streak. I didn't really take too much of the first two losses against Cleveland. It was a last-second field goal that Jake Moody missed. It was a 41-yarder that should have won him the game. Cleveland just came out guns blazing. They were they were juiced up with a bunch of energy, and they still almost pulled off that win. I mean, Brock Purdy did what he needed to do is leading his team down in position to kick the game-winning field goal. Just Unfortunately, it just didn't happen, and Cleveland walks away with that with the win. Against Minnesota, that was a tad bit surprising. But Minnesota had to play really perfect. It also felt like that that could have just gone completely awry had Minnesota made one mistake. And they really didn't make any mistakes, you know, because if that one mistake was made, the 49ers were winning that game still. I never felt like that game was over when when the uh, when the Vikings played the Niners in Minnesota the very yep. next week. The third game. That was the game to me that felt like, okay, Niners, you're probably going to be in some trouble. Now you got to hit some adversity. And that was against our very own Cincinnati Bengals. And I know you're going to hear me talking. You see my Bengals cap on. I got some orange polo on. You're thinking, oh, you're just a homer. No. But that was the number one game that I saw early on that, yeah, the 49ers, they got to regroup a little bit. They, 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 they're going to catch some adversity uh, whistles here because mm-hmm. the Bengals just went into Santa Clara and actually beat them to a pulp. It ain't like they was a close game throughout. No. Joe Burrow was just that dude that day. And Brock Purdy, he did some good stuff. He made some nice plays, but it just wasn't enough. You couldn't outplay Joe. But then, like you said, then they went into that bye week. They made the trade for Chase Young. And I thought that, oh, wow. Yeah, they're serious about trying to get back get back in the swing of things. And then they go on this insane run all the way until, like I mentioned, the Baltimore Ravens game to where, again, 
you got to more tip your cap to the Baltimore's defense than more so than the Niners kind of pooping the bed there. I think that the Niners could have made it a better game, but it just they just could stop turning the ball over. And but nonetheless, I think the 49ers are right where they're supposed to be. All in all, they're finally hearing the big dance. They can just take a collective sigh of relief. Like no major injuries has happened. They got all their guys back, offense and defense. But now here comes the show. Here's the real testament to me personally. I'm my all eyes are on Brock Purdy. Can you seize this moment? We already know what Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to do. We already know what the storyline is going to be with Kansas City. But for you, Brock Purdy, can you shed that game manager, you know, system quarterback title off of you and go out there and beat the best quarterback in the game right now in Mahomes? Can you do this on the biggest stage? And I think that's the question that's going to have to be answered. Yep, it's going to be the big thing going forward. I mean, it's, you know, and in in lesser terms, actually, you know, depending on what community you're from, um, everyone's asking for Brock Purdy to be the savior because no one wants to see the Chiefs win this game unless, you know, unless you're a Chiefs fan or you're native of Missouri or Kansas, whatever. But Or you're yeah, a Taylor Swift fan. Or you're a Taylor Swift, you're Swifty. So, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah. so I mean, everyone I think wants the Niners to win this game. Even, even the AFC, NFC West teams want the Niners to win this game. Some of them, that is where it's like, Oh boy, we've, we've come to a, an issue, but we won't, I'm not going to sit up here and talk about the Taylor Swift or what. I'm not going to talk about all that, that you could talk about that on, on people magazine or whatever. But the thing, um, the thing about the chiefs is this, um, this has been a a, a, a a mysterious, a mystifying, a strange season, to say the least. But they're in familiar territory back in Super Bowl. But exactly how did they get there? And I know a lot of you know a lot of us have you know been like man, the Chiefs. It's it, you know it's just been you know a weird year. They're just not doing it the same way that that they normally did it. They did the same thing last year. They weren't doing it the normal way, but they were still winning, you know, still winning their games and, you know, in some some good fashion, all this other stuff. But how exactly did they get there? They lose the opening night game to the Lions, which was a shock. No, obviously there's no Chris Jones or Travis Kelsey in that game. It plays a big part into it. But, you know, going out there and losing an opening night game to the Lions, who they were very close to playing in this game. Believe it or not, they're very close to playing the, 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 the being the Super Bowl matchup for first game in the last game of the season. But then, you know, they go to Jacksonville, win a game narrowly. Um, you know, uh, good friend Iron Eagle made a Taylor Swift reference on the broadcast when Travis Kelsey found a blank space, and we, you know, funny stuff. But then, you know, they kill the Bears. They narrowly escape from the Jets on Sunday Night Football. That was. Um, you know, a, a question mark of more of are the Jets can the Jets be legit with Zach Wilson? But you know, the, the Chiefs are still able to find a way. They beat the Vikings, they beat the Broncos, they you know, in, in more narrow fashion. They handle the Chargers. Uh, and then you hit about week eight, and it's like, oh boy, um, fall to the Broncos, then they go overseas and they play the Dolphins and almost blow a 21 point lead. Then they lose to the Eagles after their bye week on Monday Night Football. 
they beat the Raiders, they lose the Packers, lose to the Bills back-to-back weeks on Sunday night in 425, and then they beat the Patriots only by 10. They lose to the to the Raiders on Christmas Day at home, and then they narrowly defeat the Bengals, and they beat the Chargers in Week 18 by 1. So there was a point in time where this Chiefs team lost one, two, three uh, home games in a row. They lost to the Eagles, the Bills, and the Raiders. And things looked really weird for this team because at one point they were nine and six, which is something that normally doesn't happen with a Patrick Mahomes led team. They're normally 12, 13, 14 wins by Christmas, and they're smooth sailing into one of the top two seeds in football. But then they somewhat figured it out. The one constant about them has been their defense. And what have we seen so far throughout this postseason? They held the Dolphins to seven points. I know the Bills scored 24 points, but they did limit Josh Allen in some ways and were able to make some plays off of that. And then the Ravens, only holding them to 10 points. They've done it differently this year. The defense has stepped up tremendously, in in large part to Steve Spagnuolo being the orchestrator of, of, of that defensive unit. But obviously, their players on the back end and the whole collective unit have just stepped up and, and played well football. And then when they need their, their great players to be great, what's happened this postseason? Mahomes and Kelsey have been great. Isaiah Pacheco has been consistent. Rasheed Rice has stepped up. Andy Reid is always in his deep duffel bag of play calls. Maybe find a cheeseburger occasionally in there. But we'll say this. Justin, when you watched the Chiefs play this year, it, it just it, it, it felt different and it looked different. Every, every game was just not, you know, you know, there's a lot of games where the Chiefs were like, ah, they're going to win this game. They'll pull away, do all this stuff. There were some times where they just didn't pull away, and they just, they, they just didn't have that, that kill shot. But when do you think they got the shot in the arm they needed? What, what game, what area of the season do you think they, they got, you know, that needle into the vein? And they got energized. No, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't really think that that even happened. I just think that they just stayed the course all season long. This is how they are. I mean, if you want to make, if you want me to answer that question without a cop out, then I will say yes. It was a, their narrow win against the Bengals in Week 17. That was the game that won them the division because that was at home. And as you stated, they had lost a few home games in a row prior. And they didn't want to lose a game at home again. They, if, In fact, they had lost their home game to the Raiders the week prior to that. Mm-hmm. And with the division title still on the line right before the playoffs, they knew that they couldn't lose that game. So they had to win that game. And they barely won that game. I was expecting the Chiefs with a non-Joe Burrow-led Bengals team to go out there and just start cooking. They never did. You know, it, the Bengals actually stormed out to a lead at that point. And it's crazy because the Bengals were kind of the catalyst for both teams uh, trending successes to get to this point. Uh, they were like kind of like the launching pad uh, for both the Chiefs and the 49ers. Yeah. But the Chiefs never really felt like that dominant team even during that game. And it was just towards the tail end of it to where you can make the argument that bad play calling was happening or whatnot on the Bengals sideline that. It led to five straight sacks, but the moral, moral of the story was really the defense for the Chiefs that kind of carried them to this point here. Um, you did mention that already as far as like the defense kind of like just took center stage here. 
But I think that the best way to sort of summarize Kansas City's season, um, it was sort of up and down. It looked like they were going to storm out to an eight and two start to the season until adversity struck. The one real team that I felt like that they had dominated was the Chargers. And that was the first time when they had Herbert. But that was also because the Chargers are not really a great team, even with Herbert was playing quarterback for them. I felt like that Kansas City had did a really good job of taking advantage of a season that wasn't meant for them because of teams around them played worse or got worse. And what do I mean by that? The, let's look in their division. Everybody thought last year, when Ty, after Tyreek Hill got traded in the last offseason, that the Chiefs was going to take a step back. We A lot of people thought that. Mm-hmm. And the setback ended up happening for the Chiefs kind of this year, record-wise, I should say, and play style-wise. But look at it at the division. We thought the Chargers was going to be better. They have one of the better quarterbacks in that division in Justin Herbert. They have names on paper all throughout that defense. You talk about Joey Bosa. You talk about Derwin James. You're talking about Asante Samuel Jr. And then they have an explosive offensive weaponry, too. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I know he got hurt. Um, Austin Eckler. You talk about all of these pieces that can't, that the L.A. Chargers have. You thought that this could have been the year for them to kind of take the win, take the division away from Kansas City. Like, you think that Kansas City is going to come off this Super Bowl hangover or whatever. They'll still be a playoff team. They might be a wild card. But you don't think that that team is going to, like, make any true noise. Yeah. And the Chargers were supposed to take over. They never did. In fact, they got way worse this mm-hmm. season. You look at the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos were still a nightmare. Now, don't get me wrong. Russell Wilson did play better this season than he did last year, of course, with Sean Payton as a coach. But when I think of the Denver Broncos, I'm always going to think of the team that got 70 points hung on the bottom of Miami Dolphins before mm-hmm. I think of anything else good, positive about them. And yeah. they showed that they're just, they are just weren't ready to be in that spot again. Yep. And then the Raiders – they keep their their constant tire fire. You know, they had a fire Josh McDaniels in midseason. Antonio Pierce took over as the interim and he stabilized the culture there. And people, the team loved playing for it. They rallied around him. It was cool and all. But that was a little too late. You weren't making no noise at that time. So yeah. the division was pretty much just a meltdown. And the only team that did not melt down was Kansas City, even though they had the lackluster season. And then yeah. you look at the teams that they played out of their division. The NFC North, you lost to you lost to Detroit. You lost to Green Bay. I did not expect them to lose to Detroit and Green Bay. Even with Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey sitting out the first week of the season, I didn't think that they were going to lose that game. It was almost like a low management NBA style kind of like approach that I thought that they took to week one. But credit to them. They didn't over panic if they were to lose that one one game on ring night. And they were like, look, it's still a long season. It's an out of conference team. It is what it is. But when you lost to Green Bay, maybe I just didn't see it at the time, but that Green Bay team, they still had a lot of growing to do themselves. And Jordan Love just kind of diced you up in Lambeau. You honestly should have lost to Minnesota, too. It had the referees kind of not just mucked up bad play, um, bad That's, calls in late yeah. in that game. That's the, another the Minnesota problem. Vikings really could have beaten the Chiefs, too. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. That's another topic that we could talk about. And, you know, we'll, we'll keep that going. But yeah, finish that, finish that. No, no, for sure. And, and that was kind of the theme about like the Chiefs that were pretty much just gifted golden opportunities. And with fortunate luck down the stretch that teams just really beat themselves overall, more so than the Chiefs beat them. And that's that's kind of how their season played out. And even in the playoffs, 
it just felt like that. While I give credit to where credit is due, this is no shot at Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey because you're absolutely right in what you said. They played with, with like stars when they needed to play like stars when the moments mattered, and that's during the postseason. But against the Miami Dolphins, I just felt like that Miami just was going into that game. Just I still to this day feel like that they just froze themselves out of there. They didn't mm-hmm. want to be there. They were just ready to go on vacation. They didn't want to have to go on a roll three times in the cold when they're a warm weather Miami, Florida South team. They just didn't look like they were anything. They beat themselves out of that game. Yeah. In Buffalo, they had a nice back and forth game. It was a it was a great battle, you know. However, Buffalo ended up playing like Buffalo every time they get into the spot against Kansas City. We already know about the wide right. We've talked about that in the post game of the divisional round. That that was that was really kind of a, a heartbreaking loss for the Bills. But it felt like more that the Bills beat themselves more than the Chiefs beat the Bills. Still, you know, you can talk all we want about you know Mahomes having Josh Allen's number in the playoffs, but Josh Allen didn't play bad in that game, in my opinion. There were some throws he could have made better, but it always felt like that the Bills receivers kind of let Josh Allen down in that game, more so than the Bills just got outplayed by the Chiefs defense. And then the Baltimore game. (laughs) The Chiefs offense, it was not good in that game. Even late, even though late in the game, Mahomes made the clutch throw on third and twelve to Marquez Valdez Scantlin. Which, if you even look at that club, that catch in slow mo, I thought it looked like it was going to be it was going to be a drop because he had it almost like palmed in both of his fingers. It's hard to explain without actually, you know, being able to kind of like show people exactly like what a football. But if you watch the replay, it very well looked like that. MVS could have dropped that ball, but he didn't. And I'm glad that he made the catch because it was cool to send Baltimore out of there. But let, what if he drops that? And then the Chiefs had a punt. Then the Ravens got another opportunity to go down the field and score a game-time touchdown. And I'm not saying that they probably would have done it, but it just goes to show you that the Chiefs offense really – or the Chiefs team in total overall, while I do give credit to their defense, that kind of felt like more of Baltimore just choking – so much, even though I'm really happy about the Chiefs kind of like, you know, ready to match the physicality. It yep. just felt like that Baltimore just kind of lost that game more than the Chiefs won that game, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but look, they played great. They played, they deserve to be here. But I, I just think that that's just a rundown of the AFC. The AFC was really disappointing this year. And I think the only team that really wasn't disappointed up until their AFC championship game loss was the Baltimore Ravens. Um, everybody else in the conference really did not play up to their standard. Can that includes Kansas City too, you know? So like, but tip the captain and they made it this far to the Super Bowl. Uh, we already know that the dynasty talk is gonna just be just out there all week, the rest of the week. And the Swift Brigade is the Swifties. They're here. Yeah. They're yeah. going to be wondering if the Taylor Swift effect is in, in luau for this here. They yeah. kind of push him to the Super Bowl victory. But yeah. to sum up the Chiefs team, like I said, once and final, and I'll toss it back to you, is they took advantage of a down season. They benefited from a down season across the conference it, it, with them also having a down season themselves too. And they have, and because of the, the Mahomes magic and the Kelsey and the Andy Reid and the Chris Jones spirit. I'll even throw the Taylor Swift um, luck effect there too. Here, here they are again. It feels like the 2018 New England Patriots. If you if people don't remember how that team was, that's true. So 
yeah, uh, a lot to summarize with the Chiefs more than I'd say the <laughs> Niners. But, uh, but yeah, these two teams are in the Super Bowl. And the crazy thing before we go to break is that this could have been the matchup four out of the last five years. You could have had, mm-hmm. you know, in 2019, they were obviously Super Bowl matchup in uh, Super Bowl 54. 55, you know, the Niners were injury riddled, plagued, whatever you want to call them. And, you know, it didn't happen there. But the last three years easily could have had this matchup. So, sure, it's pretty insane how these two teams have been very dominant over the last half decade. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Niners offense versus the Chiefs defense and then vice versa with the Chiefs offense versus the Niners defense. Give some quick keys to the game. Then we're going to make our picks over the Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, this is going to be exciting. We'll be right back. 30 seconds. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we are back here. Cut the Chase Sports Podcast, the Bengals Blitz. There's a lot of different names you can call this show, but we appreciate you guys listening in this far down. Uh, set the stage a little bit more for this game in particular. The game's going to be played on Sunday, 6.30 p.m. on CBS. can also be found on Paramount Plus and Nickelodeon. Good friend Noah Equal is going to be on the call for that one over there if any of the children want to watch it on there. Uh, Niners are, you know, right now they opened at two and a half point favorites. Right now, the spread is Niners minus one and a half. Uh, the total over under 47 and a half, and the Niners minus 124 money line. So, those are your Vegas numbers. Ironically, the game's being played in Vegas. So, that you know, the sports books and all the casinos are going to be revved up for this one. Uh, Allegiant Stadium tickets as low as. Take a guess, Justin. Vivid seats. Take a guess on how low the lowest ticket is on this site. I will say just under ten grand, nine thousand eight hundred dollars. I'm gonna cut that in half. It's about five thousand four hundred and sixty-five dollars. So we're looking at LA prices right there. So a lot of money. Still a lot. Still 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 a few bands. So you know, obviously nothing that none of us are gonna be able to spend to watch this game. But but yeah, um, not that the weather matters much. It's gonna be 60 degrees outside. So I guess you know, you'll be like, Oh, it's gonna be so cold over there in Vegas. At least it's not the, the oven door opening up and it's like 120 degrees. So about half the weather than when I went to Vegas like five years ago. But uh yeah, Vegas is the you know, what happens in Vegas isn't gonna stay in Vegas, it's gonna be on CBS. That's all I'll say. Um, we look at this though. Let's go to talk about the Niners offense really quick. Um, this year, Brock Purdy's had a very good season, over 4,000 yards passing, 31 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Christian McCaffrey, 1,459 yards on the ground, 14 touchdowns. He's also been a lethal weapon through the air. 
look at look at his numbers here. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is crazy. 67 catches for 564 and seven touchdowns. He has been absolutely Superman for this team. And Brandon Ayuk, 75 for 1342 and seven touchdowns. It always seems like that dude's running wide open. It, it mm-hmm. am I wrong? It always seems like he's running wide open. So uh no, it's gonna wrong. be yeah, it, it's gonna be a tough job. Uh, on mm-hmm. Sunday for Legarius Sneed and those guys on the back end, Trent McDuffie. We'll talk about uh, that matchup here in, in just a second. But uh, first off with this Niners offense, uh, what who is like the first person when you think about the 49ers on offense that's that sticks out to you? I know it's, you know, I, I think I know who it's going to be, but who who's that? Who's that first person that comes to mind? It's going to probably be the should be MVP, but he's probably going to end up selling for being the offensive player of the year. Yep. Um, and that's Christian McCaffrey, man. He is the, he's the number one bona fide star on this offense. And quite frankly, you can't say enough great things about him. You already rest, uh, rattled off his numbers right there. But what's impressive to me is that even when you know he's either catching the ball or running the ball, you still can't really stop him. You know, even yeah. the games where I mean, the, the, the worst loss that they took, you know, against Cincinnati and uh, Baltimore in the regular season. Christian McCaffrey still went out and started cooking and both teams knew that he was getting the ball and he still at one point had a lot of rushing yards. And it just felt like that it was going to be one of those kind of days where CMC is just going to get him right back and forward. But aside from him, now you did mention Brandon Ayuk and I'm glad you did because I do always feel that way. Every time I watch the play, it's like, how is he just people are just leaving him just one-on-one. Well, it's because Debo Samuel is a different kind of receiver that you can't just really play with cloud coverage on the outside. You got to really watch out for him because he is just such a freight train at the wide receiver position. And almost like he's a – if I were to compare a receiver back in the day, like from the early 2000s that he reminds me of, it's probably a Terrell Owens-like kind of receiver with the ability to run sideline to sideline more agile than T.O. ever did. And I love T.O. T.O. was one of my favorite receivers growing up. Debo reminds me like that, and he is not afraid to hit people. Like, people just bounce off of him. You can't defend him the same. And I think that that's the reasoning why people get so confused as to why Brandon Ayuk always have these astronomical numbers like that. It's not like Brandon Ayuk is this special receiver, but it's just – he, he makes the plays when he needs to make them because too much of focus is trying to figure out how to defend Debo, how to defend Christian McCaffrey. And don't forget, you still got George Kittle, man. Like, oh, yeah. These yeah. guys, they just they just know how to just get open when you need them to the most. And quite frankly, we've already seen it. When Debo's not on that field, that offense looks a little bit different, whereas you can't really rely on Brandon Ayuk's big playability. He can still make some nice catches. But you're relying on a guy like Jawan Jennings to get open. You're relying on guys like the backup running back, the backup tight end, because it can't always just be CMZ or, like we saw in the NFC Championship game, Rock Purdy running the ball, mm-hmm. you know, surprisingly yeah. well. So that's what I think about of this offense is obviously they're big guys, they're number one stars. But, but most, most importantly, man, I think the X factor in this game is probably going to be Brandon Ayuk. I, I really do. Yeah, I don't think you because you can't just line up Legarius Sneed on him all the time. Yeah, you're probably going to have to maybe do some little bit of work with Trent McDuffie, Justin Reed. I don't think he's a, the greatest cover safety, but I do think that he's a solid safety. But Brandon Ayuk, he's one of those guys that can make a big play. To, like if the 49ers are down at halftime, let's say the score is like 17 to 13. 
coming out of the halftime, you can see Brandon IU catching a long ball 50-yard catch to get him right back in the game and right in the position to score. That's you how saw I, in, you saw the NC title game. I mean, it was a crazy catch, but you saw it immediately. You saw it right there. That's exactly did. what happened. You absolutely did. That I'm so happy you he brought can, that up. He can get behind the curtain and make a play. That's that's the big yes. – he can get behind the curtain and make a play. He is – like, uh, he got picked. I remember he you know, came from Arizona State, got selected in 2020. Uh, but, but man, he, he is – he is sneaky good. Like he's a he's a really good receiver. That mm-hmm. I've I've been raving about Ayuk for a minute, man. But but yeah, like he, he's gonna be a big X factor in this game. You think about you know Debo. You think about this this Niners team, all the weapons, all of the the guys they can just mix and match and and do all this stuff. The McCaffreys of the world, Ayuk, Samuel, uh, George Kittle. It, but then also you'd mentioned the chiefs. I mean, at corner, you know, in the, in the secondary, the, the chiefs have been pretty good this season to say mm-hmm. you're looking at Justin Reed, the leading tackler, 95 total tackles, three sacks, five tackles for loss, seven passes defended in an interception. And then Trent McDuffie, you're looking at him with 80 tackles, three sacks, seven passes defended. And then Legarius needs 78 total tackles, five tackles for loss, 14 passes defended and two interceptions. Like, these guys find their way around the football and they're a very aggressive and now more mature group than what they were last year. You know, I know Legere needs to be in the league for a couple of years. Trent McDuffie's in year two. Justin Reed has been around the block, but this group has been able to grow one year more. And here they are again. They can play more aggressive. They, they can play off each other. Spags has more trust in these guys that, you know, they can start pinning their ears back and rushing the passers up front. That's a big thing about the Chiefs. They've accounted for 57 sacks in the regular season. That is nearly four sacks a game. That's one a quarter. That's a mm-hmm. that's a drive stopper each time. I mean, it, it, it's incredible. You're looking at Chris Jones, uh, 10 and a half sacks, 13 tackles for a loss. Uh, four passes defended for him. George Karlathis has been huge. I mean, 10 and a half sacks, seven tackles for loss. Uh, and, and then another guy that I think is is an X factor, Mike Dana, uh, six and a half sacks for him. And Drew Tranquil, four and a half sacks. The, these guys are just finding ways to get around the football. And Spags has done such a fantastic job of scheming them, you know, around. But I, I will ask you this on the side of the 49ers. If I'm Kyle Shanahan, Give me two keys where you're like, okay, if we do this and this well, we will be in a really good chance to win the football game. If you're under the headset as Kyle Shanahan. That's a really great question. That's a really great question because I, I, I tip my cap to Steve Spagnolo for real about how he was able to make shift this defense. I, I mean, I'll, before I answer your question, I will go into I think their linebacker play is really, really underrated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if Willie Gay Jr. is going to be playing in this game. I think that he's going to probably tough it out. But him, Drew Tranquil, Nick Bolton, those guys have been all over the field. They can cover sideline to sideline like like as one of the better first, better linebacker groups that you will see in across the league. Yep. You did mention their pass rush. Um, it sucks that they're not going to have Charles O'Minihue because I think that he was the underrated yeah. X factor that gets piece. a lot of pressure and really sacks too. Piece. He was the one that strip sack Lamar Jackson, you know, mm-hmm. to basically just honestly just put him in a hole early on. Yeah, but he ended up tearing his ACL, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in that game. And you know, mm-hmm. my heart goes out for him because it's the biggest game of his career. 
Yep. You know, if the Chiefs does pull off a win, he'll get a he'll get a precipitant participating ring. But that sucks for him. But then their safeties, man. This is not Andrew Sorensen and Tyron Matthew, even though I like Tyron Matthew still. Yeah. But this is not that safety duo. Justin Reed and Mike Edwards. But before Mike Edwards, you had Brian Cook. Those guys know how to communicate very, very well with each other. And I think that's the name of the game, as you stated. They're another year in the system just connected. It just reminds me of, again, I'll throw our, throw our little Bengals out there about how the Bengals secondary was when, as Lou Anarumo had, like with Jesse Bates, Von Bell and, the, and our corners and stuff, they, they, they're they a connected group and they communicate super effectively. But this time, the Chiefs secondary just hits harder. So as I, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I got to also look at this with the understanding of I'm not going to just become this play calling whiz kid that I can just, you know, move the ball sideline to sideline up and down like I think I want to. But here is the advantage. Steve Spagnuolo, he doesn't go all in on his plays during the first few drives, maybe during the first quarter. He is really good at making halftime adjustments. Steve Spagnolo is like Spags. He's great at that. Oh, yeah. So if I'm Kyle Shanahan, the first thing that I'm calling is I'm dialing up the deep ball. I'm testing that secondary early to make sure that which one of y'all going to cover me. If I'm running with Debo on the, the short routes that will be a sideline, they're going to just sniff that out with the linebackers. Even though Debo is strong, he can kind of bulldoze his way through people. But I'm giving so much credit to the Chiefs defense, what they accomplished this year, that you can't just run them same option plays where you can just fake handoffs and reverse screens and all that stuff to Debo or CMC like it's nothing. You got to run some verts in this game. And I think that that will be the one of the first few plays I will call just to test them out to see, OK, which coverage are you going to shadow this way and this way? And then that's when you can sort of take and pick and choose your weapons to see which places that you want to go based off of what their defense is going to do yeah. and understand they're going to adjust in the second half and you got to be ready for the adjustment on offense even if it's working really well you also going to probably may have to go for it on fourth down a couple of times in this game to send an even bigger message because again my number one work my number one thing that i question and I think that the question is going to loom on people's minds when it comes to this 49ers team is Brock Purdy. Is he ready to be on this big stage with the big dog in Mahomes? That's and you're going to have to be able to do stuff like that. And you got to keep up. I think he's ready for it. But at the end of the day, you still got to go out there and play the game. But that would be my way of testing out this Chiefs defense if I'm the 49ers offense. 100 percent. And I, I'll even add it another step further. Um if you're talking about taking deep shots early on in the game and testing the secondary, a way you can do that is already the Niners have this run game established where Christian McCaffrey gets going. I mean, things, you know, it's, it's, it's looking pretty good for the 49ers, but the play action game is going to be big. Brock Purdy with a clean pocket is pretty good. Like he's a pretty good quarterback, but Brock Purdy on the move I might argue that it's he's better on the move. You've seen him on right. the move, get out of the pocket, run, stuff like that. But when they move the pocket, play action, man, you're looking, I'm not trying to be the offensive coordinator whiz kid or whatever that Kyle Shanahan is. But I will say, you know, 
if you're able to have George Kittle control the middle of the field and Debo Samuel control the underneath, Christian McCaffrey being a threat out of the backfield, whoever that third receiver is, you know, being a check down, and then Brandon Ayuk trying to take the top off the defense. I mean, you're asking the Chiefs to cover every which way possible, sideline to sideline, going deep, shallow, all that. You're telling me they got all of those guys in the world that can cover the likes of McCaffrey, uh, Ayuk, Samuel, Jawan Jennings, and George Kittle? That's going to be tough, you know, especially at the start of a game. The adjustments will be made, and I think a big thing, you know, in, in the in the circumstance of the Chiefs is that they just got to make it messy. They got to make it, you know, tight, condensed, and messy for Brock Purdy. If they're able to limit this run game a bit and try to put all the pressure in the world on Brock Purdy to make those not necessarily tight window throws, but to make throws under pressure is going to be big because Brock Purdy has completed some throws under tight window. He's, he's made some tight window throws and he's had some huge completions, but you know, obviously, you know, you see quarterbacks when it's against the blitz, you know, some of them are really good. Some of them are really poor against the blitz. A lot of it, meaning that there's man to man or a guy dropping over the middle, but when you see if you're getting to Brock Purdy with four and you're collapsing his space, there are some quarterbacks that are actually very good at that. Brock Purdy isn't there yet. And if you're able to collapse that space, especially if you're moving around Chris Jones inside, outside, George Karlaftis, both of them on the same side, you're able to mix and match a bit and just win with four. That's the best recipe for the Chiefs right there. They have to make Brock Purdy throw from a telephone booth. That's my thoughts on the Chiefs defense yeah. in this one. And, but, you know, yeah, testing testing is going to be big, but, but you got something else to say. One more final nugget, too. I think that Brock Purdy does a pretty good job of playing within the pocket, too. He does. Um, even though I do agree with you, I feel like that I'm starting to like him a little bit more when he moves out of the pocket and then just kind of bootlegs that at rush acts because he's a lot new part of his game. It's a, yeah, it's a new part of his game. A, you know, it yeah. is. It's a real natural part of the game. This is not like it's Alex Smith here. You know, this is not like it's still Tony. I mean, I know Tony Romo will get a lot of flack for how his career ultimately end up unfolding, but yeah. I like Tony Romo. I thought that he was a game. I thought he was a gamer. And I think Brock Purdy is a gamer. I'm not going to label it a game manager tag, even though I know that gives a lot of negative connotation to it, too. But one last thing I will say is I believe that he needs to get George Kittle involved early. Whether mm -hmm. if he's one of those people that he will give a deep shot throw to, whatever the case may be, get him early and involved off him. You know, whether, you know, you can try to get a couple of runs for four or five yards on first down. But then let's say that second and six, second and five, that should be like a 14-yard out route to George Kittle or something. Get him involved pressure. early. Put pressure on him. Put pressure on him. And I get think your guy in. yeah. That's because the reason why I say that is because, and we're going to talk a little bit on the other side of the ball here shortly. I think that Kansas City is going to know that this is Travis Kelsey's kind of game, and they're going to want to get him involved. And the way to defend Travis Kelsey is you got to match a Travis Kelsey with your own guy. And personally, George Kittle to me is the best tight end in, in the game right now, as far as athletic build wise, not career wise, athletic wise. I think he's the most effective tight end in the game, in my opinion. And he was my number one fantasy tight end that I could have drafted, but I chose Mark Andrews, which I, yeah. I did pretty good on before he got hurt. Yeah. But nonetheless, nonetheless, that's what I would do, too, if I'm Brock Purdy. You you got an answer for Travis Kelsey, bro. It's George Kittle. Do not be like the Ravens where I thought Mark Andrews could have been a good answer, but he he did not have a good kind of day 
like Travis Kelsey did against Baltimore in the AFC Championship game. You have that ability to make him have a big game, uh, big game, a big game too. <laughs> <laughs> many words, many many words at one time. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, for twisting my words. Y'all know what I mean. <laughs> we got that there, but man, I'm excited to see how Brock Purdy is going to perform against this uh, Chiefs defense. But on the flip side, the Chiefs offense, uh, Mahomes having one of his down seasons, if you would. I mean, 4,100 yards, 27 touchdowns, 14 picks. I mean. You know, we'll take, you know, take that any year. Uh, he, he's been he's turned it up a notch as the year's gone on and stuff. And really, once we got to the playoffs, Isaiah Pacheco, um, 935 yards rushing, seven touchdowns. Uh, you could say Isaiah Pacheco runs like fill in the blank, any type of scenario possible. We've talked about this before. And then Travis Kelsey, uh, 93 catches, 984 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, in the regular season, the postseason has been the big thing uh, for these guys. I mean, Mahomes is completing 68% of his passes, four touchdowns, has no interception, has only been sacked twice in three games. And Pacheco averaging around 85 yards rushing. Travis Kelsey with those three touchdowns in three games and averaging 87 yards receiving. Rasheed Rice being another big factor with 74 yards a game in the postseason. Uh, so those guys have definitely been doing their thing. Uh Andy Reid's been dialing up some things. They've really decided to, um, you know, play, play play big boy football, and they're averaging 128 yards a game in the postseason. They have said, you know what? We're going to trust the big guys up front. We're going to trust Isaiah Pacheco, and we're going to run behind our offensive line and, and go forward. The big thing is Joe Tooney, it seems to be a long shot to play in this game, which is going to be huge against this ferocious Niners front. I mean, you're looking at... You know, Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, who's back in the Super Bowl again. He's with the Eagles last year, now with the Niners. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, uh, you know, talks about Chase Young and all that stuff. That front four, the rotation up there, is brutal to go against. Not to mention the two linebackers and Dre Greelon and, and Fred Warner. I got done playing in a a five on five football game, and I was covering one of my friends like I was playing Tampa two like Fred Warner. But that's another story. Um, yeah, and then the back end for the Niners. That seems to be the spot where the Chiefs could get them. Would you agree, Justin? I definitely agree. I think that the 49ers defense. While they have a lot of names, they do they don't pose a lot of problems in their secondary, kind of like the forty the Chiefs defense do. And I think that the reason for that is that they missed Ufunga, the safety. Yeah, they he do. was the guy that I felt like that he was like a almost a Troy Palomalu clone, that he could <laughs> just go out there and make any kind of tackle. He would jump over a he can jump over a line and make any kind of hit. Look, he ain't Troy Palomalu. You know, I've seen him all over those years with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I hated when we were going against him. But that dude is a Hall of Famer for a reason. And Hufunga sort of give me flashes and glimpse of that. They don't have that kind of presence in the back end anymore. They do got a solid corner in Trevarius Ward, a former chief, who even stated that playing in the Bay is a little better than playing in the Kansas City, um, playing in Kansas City, which, I know that's going to probably give the Chiefs bullet support material, whatever. I don't. Nobody cares. Yeah. But I mean, to be perfectly honest, he's kind of right. It is playing. It, he's playing in a really good defense. You know, it still doesn't take away from the fact that they still got Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, Drake Greenlaw, and their front four, as you already mentioned, 
but their secondary, they 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 that's the spot that that can be had. However, the good news is none of the Chiefs receivers scare you if you're the 49ers, not even Rasheed Rice. I like Rasheed Rice, but I can I can just stick Charvez Ward on him and then I'll be good. You know what yep. I mean? Like I'm, I'm not saying I'll be good, it would be easy for that matter. Yeah, but you got to be able to be creative and how you're going to cover these 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 weapons for Kansas City because it, it they they've stepped up pretty well in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about Travis Kelsey ad nauseum about how he just kind of turned it up and turned into his old self again. But even Rasheed Rice, you know, it's not easy covering him this time around. You don't know when he's getting the ball. I think that's the difference. When you play the Kansas City Chiefs, you just don't know who's really getting the ball. You just know, make sure Kelsey's covered, which is why this is this is like almost a trap version of a game if you're the 49ers defense, because here's the thing. As much as I like the names on the 49ers roster, that defense hasn't been playing like the 49ers defense that I know of. If they were to play like they played against the Dallas Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles on Super Bowl Sunday, they are 100% winning this game. But at the end of the day, they haven't played like that through the back back end of the season, trying to get themselves back on track. You saw that the that the Detroit Lions was able to have a day rushing the ball on them. And I know Detroit was playing with hell, like house money. They was playing with their hair on fire. They wanted to win like crazy. But mm-hmm. the 49ers, man, you got this front seven that we talk about, and you did not stop the you couldn't even stop, you couldn't stop David Montgomery, you couldn't stop Jameer Gibbs. What do you think that they're going to do with Isaiah Pacheco and creating routes out of the backfield for him? What do you think that they're going to do now that Jerick McKinnon is now activated off of the IR and is ready to probably suit up for this game too? Those guys are speed backs a bit. So you're going to have to be able to play with your antennas on fire and think like with your antennas up and think like it ain't just stopping a run with this team. You got to be able to stop the, the screen pass out the backfield with them too. They're, they're really good at that as well. Yep. And Fred Warner will be tested. I love Fred Warner. He's the best covers linebacker in the game. Him and Roquan Smith both. But, man, he's going to be tested because that's where I think the chess match is going to be between Mahomes and him. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I want to stick it to the Niners defense really quick. What's a what's going to be the biggest key for the Niners? I'll be I'll be quick and easy with this. the The obvious thing that they need to do is just cover Travis Kelsey and cover Rasheed Rice, and you got to play Patrick Mahomes similar to like how the Chiefs defense played Lamar Jackson. You got to respect Mahomes' running ability. You just yep. do. He is one. He is the best quarterback for a reason. Mm-hmm. But you also have to cage him and pressure him. Send some late pressure, which they have the ability to do that. However, if Mahomes gets that late read, and you know he's really great at extending plays, he will find a guy open downfield, and your secondary is going to be like, how do we let this happen again? You can't. So find a way to neutralize Kelsey, which I believe they have the horses to do that. Rasheed Rice as well, too. And cage in, simulate pressure with caging in Patrick Mahomes. and, And that's how you'll be able to kind of neutralize them and let them and let them try to play their because they they were making mistakes again. Do not get caught up in the whirlwind that oh my gosh the Chiefs are back that this is an offensive juggernaut of a team. They're not. They as I said in the opening monologue when we talked about these two teams in the Super Bowl matchup, the Chiefs 
as I summarized them, they were a team that took advantage of a league that was a down year for everybody, except maybe including them, except maybe the Ravens. And they proved that they by going on and beating the Ravens and not giving respect for that. But this is still not that Kansas City Chiefs team that has Tyreek Hill and McCole Hartman and it's good McCole Hartman because yep. he was not good this nah. season for him. Nah. Like, this is not that Chiefs team. So you got to understand, like, you got to be confident in your abilities. But don't get so don't get so caught up, Niners, because your defense is not the same Niners squad, too, from earlier this year as well. So it's going to be big. Got to yep. be fair. Going to be big there. But, but yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think the way the Chiefs offense is going to be able to try to take advantage of this Niners team. Again, it's tough to throw any coverage at Patrick Mahomes, to say the least. But, you know, what What did they do to some of these guys? Like, like when they played Joe Burrow, you know, they were able to run. They ran Tampa two. They ran a lot of cover two looks and everything and were trying to rush with four. And, you know, you're not going to automatically blitz all the time against Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, the late, late, I think the late rush and late, late stuff like that that the Niners, you know, could be doing, that's going to be a big thing. But if they do consistently bring Tampa two and they drop linebackers in zone and everything, I think a big thing is going to be watching Rasheed Rice, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, on a bunch of in routes, bunch of ten and ends, dig routes. That's going to be a big thing. That's going to be like the 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 deeper middle of the field is going to be huge in this regard. And I think Patrick Mahomes, they're going to have some type of plan to attack with it. But if Patrick Mahomes is able to buy time, that's going to be the biggest part because you're looking at you know, Joe Tooney not playing in this game. And he's either going to be, you know, if he was playing, he was either going to be lined up against Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, or Javon Kinlaw. Those are three guys that you do not want your backup guard seeing at all. Right. That rotation right. of guys keeping them fresh is, is going to be scary. So if the nine, it, Mahomes is going to have to try to get out of the pocket and make plays. If he gets out of the pocket and he's on the run, yeah, it, it the Chiefs are going to be in it to say the least, and that's pretty. It pretty much comes down to Mahomes being able to make plays and his receivers just trying to you know trying to get open and and uh, find soft spots in the zone. So we'll see. It, but again, if I'm the Niners, I'm playing man. I'm playing straight man to man and going from there. But I'm not Steve Wilkes, so we'll see how that entire scenario and 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 the way they shake it out is. But. Um, we've come to that time of the show where we make our Super Bowl picks. Um, <laughs> Justin, what are what what are you thinking here? Are you are you sticking with your initial Super Bowl pick, or are you going with uh, this team that might become a dynasty? Man, this is tough. This is really tough because yeah. yes, I can see it. I can see it both ways. I'm going to stick with the 49ers. They were my pick for the all season long. Well, I'm sorry for the back half of the season long. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since they started going in that run, and I just felt like that, yeah, this is the team that could actually absolutely just do it, you know. So yep. I I, feel, I still feel like that they're the best team in the NFL, you know, roster wise, roster construction, and everything like that. And I trust me, if they if the Ravens was in the Super Bowl against these 49ers, I wouldn't have liked their chances, but I still probably would have picked them just because it's tough to beat a team twice. Um but again, you can't really you can't ignore the fact that what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing is pretty special right now either. You know, they're not the same team this season like they were last year, even though last year best record in the NFL, it still felt like that there was some luck involved in that too. And that's that's part of it. 
sometimes you just got to get lucky. Luck is, has to be on your side. And, man, they damn sure have been lucky. And quite frankly, if they were to win this game, I'm not going to be surprised either. Yep. Uh, this this version of the, the Chiefs sort of just takes me back to the 90s Cowboys, Detroit, the triplets, Troy Aikman, uh, Emma Smith, and Michael Irvin, Jimmy Johnson during that, that tenure with the Dallas Cowboys. The Chiefs are feeling like that. And I know everybody's talking about is if Mahomes wins, will he be considered the goal over Brady? <laughs> stop, man. Like, stop. You're prisoner of the moment. It's a at long this point. way to go. Quite frankly, yeah. he has a long way to go. And even he said that on the podium yesterday or today. Yeah. Um, so you need to leave that alone for the time being and just enjoy the moment of what this Chiefs team is accomplishing. They also don't need to win this particular Super Bowl in order for them to be considered a dynasty because eventually Mahomes is that quarterback that. He's going to get there again at some point. Yeah, you know, happen. during the rest of this decade, I just yep. feel like it's just there. He's he's outplayed basically everybody. Like he's well, he's separated himself from everybody as yeah. far as like the other great quarterbacks in the league go. Uh, Joe Burrow might have something to say about that, but we'll uh, <laughs> the 49ers to me still feel like that. This is the moment to where while the storyline is going there, create your storyline here, and I think that Brock Purdy. If anybody's going to be able to do it, it's, it's probably him. I feel like that he's made up of the right stuff to finally win this one for this team. And I, I just feel like that the 49ers, and I didn't even mention Kyle Shanahan. He's due for a Super Bowl ring. He is one of the better head coaches in this league. And I, I know he's so sick and tired of being hunted with the 28-3 to with the Atlanta Falcons. I know he was the head coach. He was the offensive coordinator. Yeah. But – I know he wants to get that off of his back. Yeah. Yeah. And he lost the Super Bowl against Kansas City, but you can tell like they were, they were, it was like that was kind of like a luck of the, I wouldn't say that there was luck. They were the best team in on the NFC that season, but they were still new to that spot. Whereas you just knew Mahomes was going to come out and win that Super Bowl that year. Whereas the 49ers, they were just kind of young and new and this is exciting. We're great. We're winning again. And they were playing with that injury, uh, and I'm sorry, in energy. And Jimmy G was their quarterback. Brock Purdy is not Jimmy G. And if you yep. think that they're the same guy, they're not. So I'm going to go <laughs> hesitantly, but I'm going to go and stick with the 49ers with this game. I'm yeah, not gonna, it, I don't know about score be prediction. Tough. It's going to be. I don't know tough. about score prediction. Yeah, and the thing is, like, <laughs> I mean. I've said it about a couple teams being this feels like their year feels like they're destined and all that stuff feels like the Niners are destined to get there. And, but the thing is with the national football league, once you think, you know, you don't, you have no idea what's going to happen. And I, I mean, you even said it before, it's going to be tough to, to bet against Mahomes. Don't bet against Mahomes. And I, I, I want to stay strong on my pick of the, of the Niners winning the Super Bowl. But I just I just can't. I think the Chiefs are winning it. I don't blame you. I, don't I, I blame think you. they are. And I and I do I think the Chiefs are the best team in the, no. I certainly don't. But again, you gotta if you, you gotta have a little bit of luck along the way, but you know the old saying luck is followed by preparation and, and execution. I probably butchered that, but you know, if you if you're prepared and you execute when you need to execute then you're going to be in that situation a lot. And the Chiefs have been in the situation a lot. I'm going to pick the Chiefs in this one, unfortunately. 
but I think it's going to be a, a, a really good game to watch. I'm going to go uh, Chiefs in this one, uh, 34 to 30. So that's that's going to do it. Um, it's the last NFL game we're going to cover for seven months. The offseason talk. I know we've done it over on Running Through the Jungle and everything, but the offseason talk here on Cut the J Sports Podcast officially starts when this show is over. And it's really saddening, but at the same time, it's also it it, it, it it's optimistic because we, we get to see what's going on and and uh you know start predicting things and 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 getting outlooks and stuff. So again, if you guys have followed us throughout this entire postseason and regular season, we appreciate it. We we appreciate all the all the love. We appreciate you guys watching, all that good stuff. Uh, if you're listening thus far, we really appreciate that as well. Give us a like, uh, subscribe, give us the five star rating, do everything with that. Go check out Running Through the Jungle. Uh, you know, once again, you know, this is the third season of coverage uh, you know, from Cut to the Chase on the NFL. Um, been a crazy three years to say the least. You know, coming coming through the first NFL season that, that you know, I, I, this podcast is covered, the Bengals made the Super Bowl. And I'm like, holy shit, does this happen all the time? And then they go back. To, it just it's been a wild three years, to say the least. But uh, we, we appreciate uh, you guys watching the NFL coverage and everything on here. And there's still going to be more to come. But, you know, just trying to put a bow in it uh, in this 2023 NFL season. But, Justin, uh, you got anything else to say before we get on out of here? Enjoy the Super Bowl. Be safe. Have a great time. You know, cheer for whoever team you want to cheer for. And may the best team win. Let's do it. National stage Sunday, February 11th, 6.30 p.m. on CBS. Nance, Romo on the call. Wolfson on the sidelines. We're excited for it. And we will see you guys back here next time. Thanks for tuning in.